Hey, hey. How you doing? I was literally jamming to that music just now. Oh, listen, this is the Hot Nerd. This is my first ever podcast episode. I'm happy to be here. Welcome, welcome. This is Smart Love and Relationships. All right. Some of you may be wondering what the hot nerd is or what a hot nerd is, and I'll give you an example. I had a friend with a PhD, an Ivy League PhD, who was like a boss chick, and she was really hot. She is really hot. But the point is, I saw her. We were traveling. We got to the hotel room. She had a conference to do. She was like, I got to do this and that, and bam, bam, because I'm a boss. You know what I mean? I do this. I do that. I was like, okay, boss chick, hot nerd, go ahead, girl. You know, she's like, I have this conference deadline to make. And so she makes her paper. She makes her conference paper deadline. And she's her posture is up straight. She's looking amazing. And then we start talking about relationships. We start talking about love. And I swear to God, it was like rocket science for her. She couldn't understand it as well as she could understand her PhD stuff. Like just the relationship talk, just like basic boy stuff that you should know in your 30s. And it was just so shocking to me. Like her posture changed. She rolled herself into a ball because this boy wasn't talking to her and she was like sweating him and she was giving off all sorts of desperation energy. As I told her she was, I'm not talking about her behind her back. I'm talking about her to her face as I always do. And I'm like, yo, what's up? You know what I mean? Why are you doing this? I do it too. Trust me. I'm I'm not exempt from stupid behaviors, but I'm just saying it was this concept that somebody who was so hot, who was so smart, who was so boss, a hot nerd could be so like romantically stupid, like dumb in love, which we all are. I don't care if you're married. I don't care if you're in a relationship. I don't care if you're single. You're just a hottie strutting the streets, feeling fly with yourself. doesn't matter. We all struggle with this thing. Love is rocket science. And that's the concept of the hot nerd. It's that we can be hot and nerdy and smart and boss and intelligent, but not so great when it comes to relationships. Because essentially, relationships are often putting two people together who are totally different entities with two totally different sets of idiosyncrasies. We're not the same. I'm not the same as even people who are blood related to me. Far from it. You know what I mean? So you want to go out there and start mating with people, dating people. It's complicated. And so that's the hot nerd for you, for those of you who are listening for the first time and knowing about this brand for the first time, about my expertise. You know, I'm not an expert at knowing all the answers, but I am an expert at asking key questions because I'm a journalist and that's what journalists do. We ask the questions. We don't necessarily give you the answers, but we give you the key questions that you need to be asking in your life. For example, this episode's question, which is, are dating apps dead? Are dating apps dead? That's what we all want to know. You you know why we want to know this? Because more and more people are actually settling into dating apps now that there's this whole coronavirus thing going on. People are on lockdown across the globe, and it's like, you can't. You can't go out to restaurants and sit down and order, you know, $50 worth of food on somebody else's dime. Hey, hey, you can't do that. You have to sit home and get into your apps and talk to people. And yes, yes, my dears, I do have experience with dating apps. 
Mind you, the same friend I was talking about earlier had no experience with dating apps, but this was years ago though. This was like four or five years ago. Like we just didn't think that dating apps were something that we should do because, you know, we thought we were just too fly and it was like, oh, dating apps, who does that? (laughs) You know what I mean? So ignorant, so ignorant because we just thought we're boss chicks and only desperate people use dating apps. And that is so, that could not be farther from the truth. There's so many amazing people on dating apps and you wouldn't know that because, you know, you're stuck in your high horse or you just, you just come from a traditional setting. Like if you grew up in the nineties, you didn't know anything about dating apps because, you know, we didn't have dating apps in the nineties. So we just thought we would just meet people. Okay. So, but the problem with that is if you grew up in the nineties and in the knots, you know, the 2000s, you meet the same people all over again. If you date somebody and that doesn't work out, you probably date somebody he knows, okay? And then that doesn't work out and you wonder what the problem is. But what dating apps do is they allow you to meet a broad spectrum of people, even around the globe, depending. You know, Tinder allows you to get a virtual passport. You can date somebody in Switzerland and be in New York, Just make sure they don't, uh, you know, what's the word? Catfish you or dogfish you. You know what I mean? Dog frog you. That's the new term. Make sure they don't dog frog you. Make sure they really are who they say they are if you're going to date somebody from Switzerland. But anyway, so that's today's topic. Are dating apps dead? Um, I think the real question is whether love is alive. I'm calling this episode, are dating apps dead? But I real, I really feel like the real question is whether dating apps are alive. I checked the figure, by the way, for how much worth the dating app market is. And it's something like 8.4, $8.5 billion. Can you imagine that? People are out here trying to connect with other people at a worth of $8.4 billion. And I just think that's amazing. We are tr- we're seeking something outside of ourselves. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? Of course, dating apps are alive in terms of the technology, right? But they're also alive because we are going to have an eternal desire to connect with other people. Look at us on lockdown. We don't even know what to do with ourselves. We can't talk to ourselves all day or our spouses or partners, boyfriends. We can't do that. We want to go out in the world and go to restaurants and things like that. Even introverts like myself, people find it hard to believe I'm an introvert, but I am a freaking introvert. I don't like going to the grocery store. I get to the grocery store. They want to ask me 2000 different questions and then they see my name on my credit card. I hate that. I really, I freaking hate, I'm like, this is not your job to look at my name, examine it on my credit card and ask me the history of my freaking name. That's not your job, darling. Can you swipe my groceries so I can get out of here? Anywho, sorry, that was, that was, that sounded really specific, didn't it? Trifling Sainsbury's cashier. Okay, I say Sainsbury's, but all the Americans are going to be like, well, what the hell is she talking about? So Sainsbury's is a grocery store in London. I'm in London um, right now. I actually, you know, side note for people who just are confused by my hybrid accent. (laughs) 
people are confused about my accent, child. They're like, listen, why do you switch? Like you code switch five times while you're talking. It's very confusing. Let me tell you why. I actually stayed in London for a little bit when I was a kid because my youngest sister was born there. And so I stayed um, there as a child. None of my other sisters did. Um, and uh, I grew I actually grew up in New York. So like we moved. A lot of my sisters, so I have four sisters. We were born across three different continents, North America, Europe, and Africa. So we were born across three different continents, which is very unusual, I know. But we mainly grew up in New York. So, I mean, I could get New York real quick. I could, I could change. Look, I could talk like this, okay? I could talk like this, and then you're going to have a problem with it. Don't. Okay? So... I have a New York accent. I can talk like this if I wanted to. You know what I mean? Like, I talked like this in junior high school and high school. Shout out to Francis Lewis. That was my high school, Francis Lewis. Ah, Queens, New York. Hey, shout out to Queens. Anywho. So that's why I talk kind of like in a hybridized way sometimes. I'm not really all aware of it. I think Americans think that I have a British twang and then British people think I sound straight up American. Like they just don't even detect any twang. Um, I'm also like a linguist. No, straight up. I, I started my PhD in linguistics when I was 21 because I'm fascinated with languages and accents and pigeons and things like that. There's some I don't like to hear, like in an audible sort of way. I don't like to hear like gritty sort of um, language. And I, I, you know, I struggle with poor grammar. I'm sorry to be so judgmental. <laughs> I just don't like it. I don't like, it's not my favorite thing. I don't love poor grammar. And this actually goes against all the principles of sociolinguistics, which is my field of study, which says that there's no such thing as poor grammar. As long as you communicate effectively that's what communication is. That what that's what the purpose of language is. So I should follow that principle, but I'm torn because I was also an English major, and so like when I hear people say things, <laughs> when I hear people say things, when I hear people say things like I had came, and like not really know the perfect tense, it really it grates my soul. I I start fights over that. Like China, I had came. You know, I had went and I start fighting my friends and they're like, what the fuck is your problem, China? We can speak however we want to speak. You know what we mean. And I'm like, yeah, but you can't say I had came. It's I had come. Can't say I had went. It's I had gone, you know? So I struggle with that. Sorry, please forgive me. Other than that, I like languages. I like accents. I sound weird. I'm completely aware of it. And uh, it's called a hybridized accent for those of you who would like to know. Um, anyway, back to the topic at hand. We're talking about dating apps. And I have to say that, yes, my friends and I were a bit judgmental about it. But a specific issue really, really stuck out to me. And which is, I'm going to cover that on my next segment. First, I just want to play a little bit of music, get you in the mood for me to, you know, keep chatting. <laughs> Guys, we're back. And the thing I wanted to talk to you about was dating preferences. Okay, we have to get into this. 
because that's where the whole dating app thing started with me. I was living in West Hollywood. That's my hometown. Hey, shout out to WeHo. Yes, I'm from New York. Yes. But obviously have lived in West Hollywood for half a decade. So I still identify with Los Angeles. Anyway, when I first moved to Los Angeles from New York, I had my friend tell me, she goes, hey, African-American men here do not date black women. And I said, well, what is that? How do you have a preference in dating? That's just bizarre. That's weird. Like, who does that? And then I thought to myself, well, maybe that's the case. Maybe she sees something that I don't see. Because when I see it, right, people may say they have a preference, but there's still loads and loads of African-American men and African-American women who are couples, legit couples. So maybe there's something in what she saw, particularly in Hollywood, that was different. But I want to talk about dating app preferences as they apply to these dating apps. Do you guys actually enter racial preferences when you're dating? Because I, I would be shocked if you if you did, but no judgment. Let me know. Go to anchor.fm slash the hot nerd and tell me what you think about dating preferences. Here's what I think. Okay. I had a brother-in-law's cousin who said to me one day, he said, you know, I date everybody, but okay. You know, when there's a, but there's, there's, there's something crazy coming. Yes, I date everybody, but I prefer to date Spanish women, Latinas. And I said to him, I said, okay, well, you know what? You're a black doctor, right? Let's flip the script since you have this preference. Let's say you as a black doctor, you're in a hospital and you get a patient and the patient goes, you know what? Nothing against any doctor. I like all doctors, but I just prefer to have a white doctor treat me not you. I just, can you get me a white doctor and not you? Thank you very much. How would you feel? You would be like, oh my God, that's so racist. But yet here you are saying, well, you know, I just prefer Latina. And there's nothing wrong with dating a Latina woman. I, I think that's fabulous. You know, um, yes. Some of you who know me, yes, my partners have been Caucasian. That's whom I've wound it up with, I've wound up with, but um, it's not because I went on a dating app and was like, oh, only show me Caucasian men. You know, like I was saying, it's about your personal characteristics and idiosyncrasies and how they match up with somebody else's. That's what you really should be looking at. So I don't know, I find dating apps really interesting when it comes to preferences. Can we get away from them? Now I bring this up also because I have a friend, dear, dear friend of mine who was in tears recently because she said to me, she called me, she goes, listen, I am sick of what I'm turning up in terms of, you know, African-American men. And I would like to date somebody uh, who respects me. And I told her, listen, you know what? These men out here can be all disrespectful. I don't care what background. <laughs> I don't care what background they have. Sorry, men. I don't want, listen, men, don't leave me a voicemail or voice message saying, hey, you're saying all African-American men are disrespectful. Never said that, first of all. 
Okay. My dad's American and he's not disrespectful. So, um, I'm not grouping everybody together, but I did have to make a point there with her when she talked specifically about how she felt disrespected and how she felt that there was a pathology in her culture as an African-American woman um, when it comes to those relationships. Because, I mean, the music, it's the B word, the H word, the N word, you know, and it's there's a sense that it's okay to disrespect and dismantle, you know, African-American women sometimes. And I told her that when you're dating, right, don't look at societal culture. Don't try to be like, oh yeah, I'm only going to date this particular culture because it's my culture and this and that and the other. No, because society is not in your bedroom. You are in your bedroom. So when you think about dating and dating apps, or even just think about marriage, partnering up with somebody, living with somebody, you have to think about what your self-culture is. What's your self-culture? And I told her, your self-culture is sweetness. It's kindness, it's love, it's gentleness, it's classiness. That's who you are. That's your culture. So don't get caught up thinking that a broader sort of set of behaviors that go against that goes against everything you are is your culture because it's not. Your self-culture is the only thing you should be identifying with, especially when it comes to fucking. Okay? Nobody in your bed You shouldn't bring people into your bed, into your soul space, just because they fit the framework of your racial or cultural preference. Okay, well, you're an African-American man. You're automatically welcome. Or you're a Latina. You're you're just like welcome because of that box. No, you have to do the work. You have to know people one-on-one, know how they are. And that's how you match with people. You match by spirit, spirit to spirit, culture to culture, self culture to self-culture. Match by self-culture, not by perceived societal culture. I don't care if you are trying to hold out to only marry a black man because you're a black woman, or only marry a white man because you're a white woman, only marry a Latino man because you're a Latina. No, that's not how it works. You have to ask yourself, what's my self-culture? Guys, I'll tell you, my self-culture, as you can tell, is talking. So yes, okay, fine. I tend to talk more in the relationships. (laughs) Hence my podcast. But communication is very important to me, obviously. Very intellectually driven. Communication is something I do. So if my culture is one that discourages it, like on a societal level, then that's not really my culture, is it, right? So my self-culture is that I'm talkative and therefore I will only uh, be open to a communicative relationship, I, a, a relationship that has openness towards communication. Like I'm not compatible, for example, with a man who doesn't think we should discuss anything. Um, 
over discussion, fine, that might be a problem. But if you're like, we can't discuss anything, we should keep everything under wraps and never talk about anything, that's obviously against my self-culture. So put your self-culture first. I mean, she was really, really upset and crying because she felt like there was a pathology that she was dealing with. And she felt like that's what she was getting because of her dating preferences. And I don't know. Maybe it's time for everybody because of these dating apps and because of how widespread they are in terms of whom they expose you to, it's time for us to be a bit more open. I mean, try something different, try something new. Don't think about, you know, the color of their skin. Think about whether they match your idiosyncrasies. I think that's how you should match just anyway. You know, I'm sorry that racism exists and race exists. I wish it didn't. I wish that race weren't weren't a real thing. Um, but it does, and it's sad. And I hope that through dating apps, we can start to sort of conquer these things by even just going on dates. I'm not talking about like, okay, marriage, because, you know, who's getting married these days, right? That's a different <laughs> That's a different episode. I'm talking about just even exposing yourself to people talking to people. When I started on dating apps um, several years ago, oh God, it's so long now. How time flies. When I started on dating apps several years ago, I mean, my dates were literally the united colors of Benetton. I went out with a Nigerian man, um, Indian, Chinese. This all happened in London, quite frankly. Um, who else? Jesus. I think it was everybody under, under the sun. Uh, you know, of course my boyfriend was Italian. Um, and so, I mean, ups and downs, negatives, um, some positives with uh, people. And I exposed myself to various cultures and in that group, I sorted through whose self-culture was compatible with mine. And that's how you do it, folks. Now, let me not front and be, you know, all holier than thou, as if I don't have any discriminations whatsoever, because I think it's impossible as humans. I think we've all been cond conditioned in one form or the other to form opinions and have perceptions of people. So I won't pretend that I have absolutely no preference whatsoever, because that's not practical. And furthermore, it's not true. I think, you know, after dating for a while, when I settled, um, I shouldn't say settled, <laughs> when I picked a partner, <laughs> when I settled on a choice, I think, you know, I had to be fair to myself and I had to be honest and conclude that, you know, after having gone on dates and done my data, that I do have a height preference. I do, to be fair. And only because of this, I'll tell you why. I was open to the whole short guy thing, but I've noticed that there are different, <laughs> there are different kinds of short guys. I mean, there's some short guys and if they sling a, a good dick game, they're confident and they're sexy and they have no problem and they have amazing personalities. Now they are keepers. Like that's something that I would recommend. Like if you find a short guy, he knows, you know, his height may be one thing, but his length in other areas suffices. He slangs a good dick game. 
gives good penis. He's not angry. He doesn't have the Napoleon complex. He's just cool. And so that you can do. But if a short guy, you know, is insecure, sort of in the bedroom, doesn't sling a good dick game, doesn't sling anything, you know, and is always feeling like he has to compete with the world, then you get this short guy syndrome, this Napoleon complex, and I can't deal with that. Like, I can't, like, insecurities in a man are not something I can deal with. Like, know your stuff, be happy with your stuff, and then bring that energy to me so we can be happy together because don't nobody got time. Do you know what I mean? So anyway, I I will conclude this preference segment by saying that to some extent, yes, we all have preferences, but dating apps are alive in the sense that they drive us to push the boundaries of what we think our preferences are. Think about that. Let me know again what you think. Anchor.fm slash the hot nerd. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's take a break. All right, and we're back. You're listening to The Hot Nerd, Smart Love and Relationships. Yes, yes. All right, so we're going to talk about something silly in this segment. We're going to actually rank and describe the characteristics of the dating apps out there. I'm going to tell you which is for whom, and the ones I think are decent for meeting people. Of course, it's different strokes for different folks, and they all have their own sort of flavor, flow, and vibe. But I do think that they attract different people. Not bad people or good people, just different people. And so you'll be interested to listen in on that, specifically if you are new to dating apps or if you're just like a veteran and you wanted my spin on how these dating apps go. A little housekeeping beforehand, I did say visit me on anchor.fm slash the hot nerd. So when you go to anchor.fm slash the hot nerd, you'll see a little message icon. Click that. Click it, love it, click it, and leave me a message in response to anything that you want me to share. You could be on my next show, so just keep in mind, keep it nice because I could feature you on the next segment. Also, this is a space of love and loving kindness and positivity. So don't leave any bullshit in your message. Like, don't be rude. Don't say rude shit. Like, this is not the forum for that. If you're not grown enough, if you're not mature enough, then this is not for you. I only welcome positive messages. You can critique something. I'm not saying don't, you know, disagree with me. You can disagree with a point I've made. Just do so in a way that's kind and professional and, you know, not ridiculous as the internet tends to be sometimes. Now, speaking of which, that's a really good segue. Ridiculousness on the gosh darn internet. Ridiculous. Let me tell you, when you start using these dating apps, you quickly find that there's a lot of ridiculousness on there. So, okay, my friend, I told you who called me, I was in tears over a ridiculous guy. She found him on Tinder. Tinder used to have this really bad reputation. No, I shouldn't say that. Nope, scratch that. It didn't have a bad reputation, but it 
had some stereotypes. Dating apps in general had stereotypes, taboo. And it was like, you know, you would be sure to go on a dating app and meet a weirdo. But all of that, I think, anyway, from my experience, can change. I mean, you can meet decent people on Tinder. It's just that you have to use your common sense, right? Like, if someone says something to you that you don't like in the first instance, like, and you, and it just, like, rubs you the wrong way for whatever reason, don't, like, justify it. Don't reason it away. Don't try to be patient with it. Just swipe left. <laughs> Okay, so there's Tinder. We've covered it. Tinder is the kind of like, what would I call Tinder? Tinder is that kind of like, you know, slouched student in class who dresses a little bit crazily and comes late a lot of the time, but like it's still cool to hang out with and may have something to him, like may have potential and could be the next president of the United States. I mean, that's not saying much considering whom we have in office right now, but that's a different story. So that's how I would describe the characteristic of Tinder. You don't want to dismiss that guy in class just because he's slouching when he's sitting and tells jokes and could be the class comedian. Because he's slightly popular too, and he's kind of cute. And you may want to give him a chance because you don't know where he'll be in a few years. You see what I'm saying? So that's where you start. Like if you start on dating apps, but just be very careful you know, like if you sense anything fishy, drop the conversation immediately, unmatch the person immediately. If you're new to dating apps, please never feel badly about unmatching. Do it immediately. These people don't know you. You don't know them. Be careful how much information you give out if you don't know somebody, if you haven't gone on dates with them, several. So that's Tinder. Let's move on to Bumble. Bumble, uh, it was kind of interesting to me, the concept of Bumble, because obviously I'm an entrepreneur as well. I've had businesses and I've had big businesses that I've had to sort of leave and I've had to grow my own. So I really loved the founder's story. I loved the Bumble founder's story. And I thought, hey, I'm going to give this a shot. Now on Bumble, women go first, like, and they do that so that like creepy guys don't like say hi to you as a woman and you're like, ugh. You know what I mean? And as my cousin, my brother cousin put it, he goes to me, he says, listen, by a woman going first on a dating app, it actually signals a little bit more interest because when guys kick it to women, a lot of women can just pretend or they can just be polite and respond just out of politeness. But if the woman is actually the one speaking and saying hi to a guy, then there is some some sort of interest there. That's what he said to me. So I saw it that way, but you know, I'm not a fan. And a lot of times what will happen is even when the woman talks first on Bumble, she's going to expect the man to pick up the rest of the conversation or drive the rest of the conversation. There's nothing more frustrating than like starting a conversation, you know, as the woman and like the guy doesn't really have as much to say. He doesn't. He's not, he just doesn't have, he's not great at chatting. Many men are not great at chatting, but I don't know why that is. And that's not an excuse. So like Bumble, how would I describe Bumble in terms of a person? So if Tinder is the guy who slouches at the back of the class and is kind of the comedian, but is cute and popular, and you kind of want to give him a chance, then Bumble, I would say, 
Mm. He's a guy who always does his homework, comes relatively on time, isn't all that remarkable, but is cute enough that you can pay attention to and is decent enough, comes from a decent home and, you know, will meet your needs. That's, that's whom I would say Bumble is. It's like, you should, you should add it to your stable. Um, the next up would be Hinge, which is supposedly the relationship app. Hinge, I don't know. Hinge, gosh, trying to remember my dating app. Hinge days. Let's see. Oh, I know who I met. Oh, I know whom I met on Hinge. I did meet somebody decent on Hinge one time. This was a while back. Okay, so yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Hinge is the guy who comes to class with his headphones on, but like takes them off respectfully when the teacher walks in. And he's he's very similar to Bumble because, you know, he will meet your needs. He does come on time. He's responsible, but like he'll have a semester or three where he like has issues at home kind of thing and doesn't show up and has to get an excuse and written letters from the doctor. Like that's, that's how I feel hinges. Now these are just personal opinions. They're not meant to be taken as fact. These are just the vibes that I get from these apps and I'm not discouraging you from using them. I'm just describing them according to my view. So I would say give hinge a try as well also a relationship app, supposedly. It bills itself as an app that was designed to be deleted. So you don't stay on it forever because hopefully you meet somebody decent on there. The final app I will throw in the mix, although it has got this long, long waiting list, supposedly. I got on because somebody gave me a VIP ticket, but it's called The League. So pretentious, I know. And as you can tell, if the league were a person, oh God, it would supposedly be the kid who comes on time and is part of every club and sits in front of the class and raises his hands up and expects to go to an Ivy League institution. Yeah, that's what the league app would be. It's really like expensive in terms of as well as far as dating apps go the league would be considered the more expensive app and i think that filters out people who may be like the slouch student tinder kind of thing do you know what i mean like it does filter out people who are not serious about dating number one and people who don't have the sort of profile that many of the many of the men and women on the league have. So check out the league app, check out Tinder, check out Bumble, check out Hinge. Am I missing one? Okay, Coffee Meets Bagel is also decent. <laughs> but he's probably the student somewhere in the class that is there. It's cute enough, but you just never noticed him. Like, oh, we go to the same school. Didn't realize it. <laughs> nice to meet you though. So that's it. Those are the characteristics. Let me know what your favorite dating app is, whether you think they're all alive or they're dying slowly. I'd like to know. Leave me a message. Anchor.fm slash the hot nerd. Go there, press the message button. Tell me how you're liking it. 
that's it for my first podcast episode. It's been great being with you and I can't wait to talk to you again. Smooches.